Howling Hour podcast. I am your host, Chris Staten. You can find me on Twitter at Pilgrim Yelling, and you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Howling Hour underscore. Coming back today is Koopa. What's up? Hey, man. What's going on? Happy to be back. Happy to talk about some uh, Canadian magic uh, on this week's episode. Yes, sir, because this week we are talking about the 1981 Canadian slasher, cult classic, favorite amongst many, My Bloody Valentine. Directed by George Mahalka and starring Paul Kelman, Lori Hallier, and Neil Affleck. Um, yeah, this is... I So, full disclosure, I have never actually seen the original My Bloody Valentine until uh, I did it for here. Yeah, same. I'd only seen the 3D remake. <laughs> yeah, that's literally the... Like, because that came out in 09. Um, and that was... I was like a freshman in high school. So, I, I don't recall seeing it in the theater when it came out, but I definitely saw it... Um, not long after. Yeah, I remember it definitely was like an interest to me because it had everybody's favorite vampire <clears throat> in it, Jensen Ackles. And I was like, you know, yep. I'm going to be talking to this. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is also my first time viewing the original. And I, um, not to spoil anything, but I was not disappointed. It was, it was, it was, it was rousing. No, for real. I, um, I have really only one, I have like one gripe with the film. Um, but it doesn't, in no way, does it ruin the experience for me. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, also, we are so today. Today we are recording the episode on Valentine's Day. Um, yes. This is this is our little Valent. This is the little Valentine special. Been gone for a minute. Decided, you know, never did a Valentine's episode. So let's let's do one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this was. I was actually I was pretty lucky because I was I was worried um, that uh, Joe Bob Briggs was gonna do um, one of his his Valentine's Day special that just passed over the the last weekend. I thought he was gonna maybe do my bloody Valentine. Thankfully, he did not. So um, I don't feel like I'm immediately jumping into that grave. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a. It's a really interesting film as well, as far as uh, how it kind of how it kind of came together. Um, it was shot on so obviously my bloody Valentine. It is about a uh, a killer um, who was like a traumatized victim of like a mine explosion mishap um, in like 1960, and then he goes to like an asylum to recover. Uh, comes back a year later and kills the the two super mine supervisors uh, who were supposed to be you know on duty and to get all the men out because uh, they fucked off to go to the Valentine's Day dance um, and so he comes and he kills them and like warns like leaves a warning that to the town to never have the dance again um, and so the mines it, like the, the film is shot on location in in these mines um out in nova scotia um literally at a place called sydney mines <laughs> um and the town they were like oh wow we got you know we were selected as a location for this movie to be filmed and so they cleaned up the mines because it was dirty 
and you know filthy and so they spruced it all up and <laughs> the crew got there and they were like oh no we we wanted these mines because they were all dirty and nasty for for the ambiance <laughs> and so they had to reinvest um i don't know if i have the exact number $75,000 um they had to invest no uh no yeah no wait i'm an idiot uh i have it right in front of me uh however when the locals found out that that uh, a movie was to be shot uh they decided to spend fifty thousand dollars to have the mine painted and cleaned so they spent they the town spent money to clean that place up and then (laughs) the director had to spend seventy five thousand dollars of the of the film's budget to revert it back to how it was before (laughs) I would so love. I would. Weird. I would love to know what that process entailed. Like, obviously, like, yeah, like, right? like cleaning something up is one thing. Was just like, it's it's very clear. Again, I'm I'm talking out of school here. I know nothing about what the, the status of mine and mine related jobs are in the Lord's year 2023. So I could. I I don't like. Do they just like blow some stuff up? Like what? It, like how did? How do you go about like re? Like remining the mine? I guess. Like I'm. I, that's. I would. I would love to. to like deep dive into someone's you know brain about what that process might have entailed yeah it's um because also for for like the mines and shit like they were really like there were hundreds of feet below below ground to do that there's only like certain only certain kinds of lights that could even be used um down there to prevent you know fucking explosions um but yeah, that was, and that, the setting is the part of the magic of the film. Um, it's it's funny because, like, I feel like a movie set in, like, a tunnel system has, was not done as well as this movie until The Descent. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, or one of my, one of my favorite, like, little uh, hidden gems of found footage, um, is the the tunnel, which is an Australian movie from like 2011 or something? Let me check. Yeah, 2011. That's another really good one. Um, but yeah, the, the the even the the town itself is like very um, not picturesque, but it, it feels like a home. It feels like you know, fucking. Um, uh, oh my god, the town in Jaws was is it just called Amity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It like it feel like it feels like like almost like Amity from Jaws, kind of like that like close that close knit community, everyone knows everyone, um, kind of kind of deal. Um, and I love the characters. The characters are great in this movie. Um, it is so this movie came out in 1981, filmed filmed in 1980. Um, I believe. And obviously this is a movie that was originally made as a kind of the Canadian um, entry into kind of the, the slasher craze that was going on at the time um, in America. I mean, granted Canada had made, they had made black Christmas back in like 1976 uh, or whatever. And, or maybe it was 1974. Um, but the, this was, this was like their real kind of like slasher formula movie um because you do not even the actors didn't know who the killer was until it was time to uh put the 
fake arm on to Axel. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like he even he didn't know. Uh, which and I and I think that comes through in the just in in the acting of of the film. Like everyone seems so genuine. Um, it really is, and this kind of ends up being my major gripe of the movie, actually. But um, the whole the whole cast of characters um, that we follow, the young the young people there, uh, I liked them all. I liked TJ, uh, Axel, uh, the whole the whole game, Sarah, Patty, um, Hollis, um, even the the loud prankster asshole whose name is escaping me right now um i i, I really like i really like the dynamic be- between them all um it's something that i think a lot of the slashers that were coming out at this time failed to do very few ever really get that formula right where you you care enough about the characters um where like in between the kills the movie isn't boring yeah um, I think I think the film really succeeded with that. Yeah, I was gonna say like like an issue that obviously like you say that like you have with a lot of these movies is that like in between the actual like you know horror stuff that we you know that we show up for, it's usually pretty weak. Like you know getting from point A to point B after that, but they really make you care about these characters and like they they really show that camaraderie early with like that perfect touch of like nineteen eighties camaraderie with a little bit of misogyny. Which is like you know it's part it's part for the course in, the, in these movies, but you you can really tell that these people like really you know care about each other. And I'm and you know I I, I want to say the uh, give give a shout out now to the late Keith Knight who played Hollis for one of the best movie mustaches. Oh my god, I have ever yes, seen, dude. Like yes, well, Bravo. Like <laughs> he would be making my coffee in in 2023. That is a, that is a great mustache. I it's crazy. I thought I I thought Frank Knight had been in more movies that I had seen than what he had. Cause he thought he died so young. Um, he was in his fifties. Yeah. I think he was in his like early fifties uh, when he passed. Yeah. He had, um, he had brain cancer. It was incredibly sad, Oof. but like, I, I really only knew him from, I knew him from meatballs when he, cause he played Fink and then, uh, from class of 1984. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny actually because I was I was like click, I was on like Wikipedia like clicking around on him and uh, I clicked on Meatballs because like I've seen Meatballs and I've seen Meatballs too and I'm actually a fan <laughs> of Meatballs Meatballs too and I will fight anyone that doesn't like Meatballs too um, but then I clicked because I've never seen Meatballs three and so I clicked on Meatballs three and the lead actor in that movie was Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> Mick Dreamy. It was an early. It was like his third film role. Wow. Was was the lead in Meatballs Three. That's crazy. Uh, and also, and then, and then I clicked on Patrick Dempsey and I looked at his filmography because um, I wanted to know like what his first film role was. I'm like, this has to be early. And his very first film role was an uncredited like extra in The Stuff, which is a Larry it's a Larry Cohen movie. Right. Um, <laughs> So horror, horror is everywhere. You gotta. Everyone dips their toes in at some point. Uh, that was like it was like such a thing to do back then uh, in the eighties. Like so, so many like just random horror movies like end up being a part. Not, not certainly not launching any every, everyone's career. Uh, not everyone is Jamie Lee Curtis, um, but certainly being a stepping stone. 
for for a lot of these. Yeah, I I think that that and that's what I what I love about going back and watching like a lot of these older movies like you mentioned is that like I think I think back to when we saw when a stranger calls and how was that was technically Tessa Thompson's like first ever credited role in a movie and like yeah, now crazy, and, right? yeah like now she's got on to make like you know Marvel and 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 Men in Black money so it's like it's crazy how like you'll go, you know every now and then like you'll go back and like watch one of these old movies and like somebody who's become like wildly more famous now has, was you know was just a you know getting wet behind the ears in a you know in a in a B slasher film you know about twenty years ago so they're always an interesting thing to to discover for sure um, and before we hop into any more discussion of the film I'm gonna run through our plot, um, which there actually kind of is one. Um, somehow I, I felt like when I watched, (laughs) when I watched the movie, like not, it felt like not really a whole lot was ever happening, but I was like I said, I was never bored. It was never dull. Um, but as the, as the Wikipedia page is looking at me right now, there's approximately five paragraphs of plot. So let's, (laughs) let's work through it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, Inside a mineshaft, a female miner takes off her gear in front of another miner. When the woman performs a strip tease, the miner pushes her onto a mining pickaxe, killing her. Mayor Hanniger of Valentine Bluffs, a Canadian mining town, reinstates the traditional Valentine's Day dance, which has been suspended for 20 years. The dance is stopped 20 years ago, after an accident in which two supervisors left five miners in the mines to attend the dance. Because they forgot to check methane gas levels in the mining tunnels, there was an explosion that caused the mining tunnel to cave in and trap the miners. Harry Warden, the only survivor, resorted to cannibalism to survive and went insane from the ordeal. The next year, he murdered the two supervisors who left their post the previous year, cut out their hearts, and placed them in Valentine candy boxes with a note from Harry warning the town never to hold the Valentine's Day dance ever again, or he will commit more killings. Warden was placed in an insane asylum, and the accident was forgotten, so the dance resumed. A group of young residents is excited about the dance. Gretchen, Dave, Hollis, Patty, Sylvia, Howard, Mike, John, Tommy, and Harriet. Sarah, Axel, and the mayor's teen, uh, the mayor's son, TJ, are involved in a tense love triangle. Mayor Hanniger and the town's police chief, Jake Newby, receive an anonymous box of Valentine chocolates containing a human heart, and a note warning that the murders will begin if the dance proceeds. That evening, resident Mabel is murdered by a mining-geared killer in a laundromat, and her heart is removed. Newby publicly reports that she died of a heart attack to prevent a panic. He contacts the mental institution where Harry Warden was incarcerated, but they have no record of him. Hanniger and Newby cancel the dance, but the town's youngsters decide to hold their own party at the mine. A bartender warns them against it, but is killed by the, by the miner while trying to set up a dummy miner to scare the group. At the party, the miner brutally kills Dave. His heart is subsequently found boiling in a pot of hot dogs being prepared in the kitchen. Shortly after, Sylvia is impaled on a showerhead by the miner. When the others realize Dave and Sylvia have been murdered, they contact authorities, but several of the partygoers have already decided to enter the mines for fun. Newby rushes into the mines with police to rescue them. 
The miner impales a large drill into Mike and Harriet and shoots a nail gun into Hollis's head. Horrified, Howard flees. The remaining four try to climb to the top with the ladder, but discover a dead, beheaded Howard. While finding their way out, Axel drowns and Patty is killed by the miner. The miner chases TJ and Sarah, and a fight ensues. The miner is revealed to be Axel, who faked his demise. A flashback shows that Axel's father was one of the supervisors killed by Harry Warden. As a child, Axel witnessed Harry Warden murdering his father and tearing out his heart, which traumatized him. TJ hits Axel with a rock, resulting in the tunnel collapsing, which traps Axel as Newbie and the police arrive to rescue TJ and Sarah. Chief Newbie reveals to them that Harry Warden died five years earlier. TJ and Sarah hear a rescuer shout that Axel is still alive, and they rush back to the scene. They watch as Axel frees himself from the, from the debris by amputating his trapped arm. He runs deeper into the mine, shouting threats that he and Harry Warden will return and murder everyone in town, and mumbling about Sarah being his bloody valentine. It seems to be implied that Axel's words are just words of insanity and blood loss, which it is also implied that he is dying from. The film ends with Axel laughing maniacally as a ballad for Harry Warden plays over the film's credits. The end. <laughs> Great ending credit song, by the way. Like that was a, It was really good. It was a banger. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. And, and so about and interesting about that is the original title of My Bloody Valentine was called The Secret, hmm. which is a terrible, would have been a terrible title for this movie. My Bloody Valentine is so good. That's such, such a good title. Oh, yeah. Um, but part of the, um, the, the end credit song was uh, written initially because they wanted a song that could be a hit single on a vinyl record. Um, and, but they, and they used, uh, did they use Paul Zaza? I kind of know Paul Zaza was the, um, uh, was the guy, was the guy on, on this, on the music for like a lot of, a lot of Canadian movies, um, particularly a lot of Bob Clark stuff, but uh, like he had done the music that, that previous year for, uh, from, for prom night um, he did it for like all of the uh, all of the prom night movies actually all the way up to uh, prom night four it looks like, um, but let's see Paul Zaza it was uh, Paul Zaza I believe yeah yep it was um, so they were hoping they could get um, get like a hit song to throw on um, and ult- ultimately uh, they I think they ran out of money um, and so instead of doing like a like a hip song, they end up do, going with this ballad of Harry Warden instead. Um, and even in the even in the lyrics in there as well, they it says something about secrets uh, or a secret, uh, which I think stems from the original title convention. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. I. Um, I felt so, so. I felt actually pretty bad when like every single when any, when any character in this movie got killed. I was like, "Damn!" I'm like, "That sucks." Um, and they like they go they like for some of them they go the extra step because they show you like some real authentic pain that go that was seemingly authentic pain that goes along with these uh, with these deaths, um, especially uh, the first the first real one being Mabel in the laundromat. Yeah. Um, 
that one was 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 sad because then the chief later on is like at the at the station and there's like a, a box of valentines and he thinks initially it's going to be like another heart but it was just like a box of of chocolates from from mabel um so i think the, the film the film does that pretty well and then like when um dave and sylvia are murdered their like respective partners are like completely bereaved like screaming sobbing the whole nine um it's it's pretty good it's really it's honestly very good acting um, which you would not expect from uh, just a small little Canadian flick. Yeah, I was. Um, that was going to be one of the points that I I brought up. It's one of the first notes I wrote. Is that like for you know what's considered a you know a a, a cult slasher film from the early '80s? This movie has some like really good acting in it. Like it's 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 believable. Like I believe these people's you know when when they eventually find Dave in the freezer after missing him the first time. Um, <laughs> like I. I, I, I like truly felt the pain that these people experienced. Um I I um it it just it just it felt very real to me. Um, you know, obviously and also like whenever this movie like switches to like that first person point of view, uh it's like it's truly some some really terrifying stuff. Cause like the movie's not like overly gory, like it's not like super cheesy or like it's not trying to shove the the, the murderous uh, activities down your throat but you know when you see that scene in the in the laundromat where they you know they open up the blanket and they they find the valentine in, in mabel's empty chest cavity i was yeah. like Ugh. it's yeah. like it like like visually i was i was i was repulsed but also you know whenever the, the, there's real terror on these people's faces as they're like you know being hung from from shower heads and you know stuffed in, in the in, in the washing machine like it's yeah. like I, I love the way that like, you know, those sequences were shot because it truly does like, you know, I, I love found footage as like uh, as a medium. It's like it's it's something that I've, I've grown to enjoy over the years. And I, I love just how, you know, that style still stands up, you know, 40, 50 years later. It, it was really, really good stuff. Yeah, and like yeah, like when Mabel's like she's backing away from the killer, and she's like opening up all of the all of the doors on the washing machines, like put distance, put obstacles between herself, and she's like she's yelling, and then she's on the ground, and she's yelling. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. It did not feel it was not did not feel overdone, or overwrought, or anything like that. It was it was just right. Uh, the 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 movie though, they definitely would have gone more overt with the gore if they were allowed to. They had to trim. Um, I forget how much time, but they had to trim out quite a few minutes um, of the movie to uh, not get like a, an X rating. They had to chop off a bunch of like, some of the, the kills down in the mines uh, they had yeah. to uh, cut around. Um, but yeah, you know, it is, you can't win them all. Uh, I think the film does just fine on its own uh, with what it, with what it does end up going with. Uh, and speaking also to keep on, to keep on the acting, one thing I really enjoyed um, that I was not anticipating to enjoy was the love triangle between TJ, Axel, and Sarah. Yeah. Because, like, it is... Like, I feel I feel like I've lived that story um, <laughs> in, in, in part. So I think maybe that's why it resonated with me. But um, happy, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah. I felt like this resonated with me. Um, but TJ has... Like, for whatever reason, he, like, left and tried making it on his own out on the West Coast. 
he falls on his ass out there. Does, whatever he's trying to do doesn't work out. And so he's come back to the town. And it looks like at the opening of the film, he hasn't been back for very long. Um, and he was dating Sarah. And we learned that, like, he kind of just never contacted her after he left. Um, and obviously, she, he, she didn't know when he was going to come back. And so she ends up getting with Axel. Um, and then when TJ comes back, like, him and Axel just do a lot of peacocking. Um uh, basically in front of her and eventually like TJ gets her alone and takes her out to like this nice little romantic spot like out on the coast um, like by the bluffs and like basically tells her how he feels um, and like there's like this real authentic like both both people um, I, I wrote it down here somewhere um, what did I put All right, maybe I didn't put it down. Um, but both characters get... To, oh, yeah, Sarah says, I just don't care anymore. I just wanted to stop. Um, when when him and, and TJ and Axel are, like, fighting. And it's like, an, it's like an actual reaction someone would have at that point when, like, two people that you really care about are, are just constantly fighting over, right. like, your affection as if, like, you're a prize to be one. Like, it is, it is, like, a really dehumanizing thing that I think happens. It happens to everyone. Uh, it can happen to anyone, but it definitely happens a lot to, to young women. Um, and especially it happens to young women in movies like this. Um, but like her and TJ really get to kind of share the pain that they both felt. Uh, and it builds to like a pretty well-earned kiss between the two. And like you can tell, like even though she seemingly has chosen to go back to TJ, like there is... There is pain. There is still a lingering pain. There is still a lingering, like, I don't know if this is the right choice um, kind of energy about her. And that comes up again because then obviously him and TJ and Alex actually, actually get into a real fight. Um, and Hollis has to, like, break them up, um, which he does so easily. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that looked very effortless. And I think the part where he gets, like, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but, like, I, I think uh, TJ hits his head on the, the, the lamp that's, like, right above the pool table. It's, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not supposed to be this funny, but damn it, it is. It's so good. Because ha- Hollis is low-key the best character of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's just this, this big, jolly guy who's just looking to have a good time, and he has... Um, his girlfriend there. Shit, what's his? Is is, pa, pa, is Patty his girlfriend? I think Patty. I think Patty's his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, Patty. Patty's his girlfriend, and like they were like a really good couple. And like I honestly, because because he died, I really wanted her to make it out. I was hoping like down in the mines at a certain point, it's just T.J. Axel, Sarah, and Patty. And since I I honestly at a certain point, I thought the film was gonna. I thought the film was like laying down all this Harry Warden shit. As just like red herring after red herring, and but then it was then it was the four of them together. Um, at the end, I'm like, well, I hope they all make it out alive. So at least there's like a like a boy girl pairing um, for for each maybe, and then maybe they'll do something with that. Um, but no, then they they split up, and Axel is separated from the group, and then you don't actually see him die. He just falls into seemingly has fallen into the water and drowns. Um, and then, and that 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 was the moment where I was like, "Oh, it's Axel." 
Yeah, I, I didn't. I, 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 you know, I'm just historically bad at like guessing any of this stuff. Like, I remember the, when I saw Knives Out for the first time, I got everything wrong. Like, I, <laughs> I try. Like, I'm, I'm so bad at like, like murder mystery is like one of my favorite genres of, of media. And like, as much as I love it, I am just I'm so bad at like guessing. <laughs> it's definitely dog shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 dog at like just guessing anything that happens. I'm it's so bad. So like the whole time I'm just like, yeah, like is it the guy from 20 years ago? And I'm just like the whole time I'm just like, <laughs> it wasn't until uh, Axel took the mask off. I was like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. <laughs> you ever watch uh, a pup named Scooby Doo? Yes. And actually, <laughs> did you did you ever actually believe it was red herring? <laughs> I pr- I probably at one point in my time. I, I, I definitely I definitely did as well. I did not <laughs> when I whenever I was like nine or whatever or ten or some shit. I did not know what a red herring was. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then my mom told me what a red herring was. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh yeah. well. Don't I can't believe they before. named they should have just named the character red herring. And Fred every episode would say it's red herring with his full chest. He'd say that shit every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a jerk. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, I, I love. It's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite iterations of Scooby Doo, though. Um, it's my favorite, personally. It's great. Yeah, it's it's funny. A lot of people hate as as a tangent. Um, <laughs> I really. Uh, I know people don't like the Scrappy Doo, like red, like red shirt, shaggy episodes. Yeah. But like yeah. Thir- the thir- thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo is like one of. I is my favorite of the. Like the early days, yeah. And then I, obviously, what's what's new Scooby Doo, which I think started in two thousand and three. Yeah, it's like two thousand three, um, two thousand four. That's when that came out. I think yeah. that I really enjoyed as well. That was like that was that, that was the Scooby Doo for our for our generation. That was made for made for <laughs> us. Yeah, I mean, actually, that came that came on the heels of the direct to video movies. That's correct. Yeah, I actually it was like the, it was like three or four that. of those had coming out. By then. Yeah, I I recently went down to the, the Scooby Doo rabbit hole just because of all like oh. the, the the Velma discourse and oh of I, course and, yeah. and, I, and I was like just out of morbid curiosity just like yeah a pup named Scooby Doo still holds up like very well but if we're talking like strictly the movies like Scooby Doo and the and the ghouls and the ghoul school like oh pe- ghoul pe- school bro that yeah, shit slaps. yeah like it's it's so good like oh, it, like so good. <laughs> I did not realize how much I I enjoy that that movie until I'm just like. Yeah, every time this is on TV, I have to watch it. It's just one of those things. I remember I used to watch that shit all the time. (laughs) I I think there was like for, I don't know if it was maybe for Halloween or something, they used to, I think they used to do like marathons of like some of those older Hanna-Barbera movies. Because I also remember the um, uh, fucking, the race one. There was like the big, the big race. Oh yeah, I know what the you're Hanna talking. Barbera characters. Yeah, the wacky races thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like they they did a movie thing for that too. Um. Anyway, back to back to my <laughs> bloody Valentine. <laughs> um. I just love Scooby Doo. I it's so funny. I, it's just one of those IPs where I'm like, yeah, I like Scooby Doo, and then I think about it, I'm like, oh, I love Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm in, the, um, I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. I I, I love it. Um. But anyway. There was this um, just really ingenious factor that I think the the setting and whole kind of the, the the core of the film being being about this mining town and so many people are just employed in the mine and to be down in the mine you have to wear the miner's outfit um, 
I think it's ingenious that the killer is wearing that outfit. It is pre it is pre-built for the film. It's just so readily available. It's like, oh, you'll never know who it is because we're just they're gonna be in the suit. And it could literally be anyone. And I think in part the opening scene with the girl in the mine in the miner's suit, I think is in order to to expand the options open. So it's maybe it's not just a guy. Maybe it is a girl, even though women are not allowed down in the mines, which is like explicitly stated at one point in the film. Um, <laughs> and that's for a second, I was just like, "Oh, is it a is it a girl? Is it one of the girls?" Um, right. Because <laughs> it seemed like an odd thing to like state because the movie opens and obviously the killer Axel has taken this random woman who we never learn her name i don't think we don't know who she was um and but obviously she knew axel because he was able to get her down to the mines um and he she must have known that he was dating sarah the town only has like two thousand something people in it um yeah (laughs) and so it was very odd but so he gets her down there and then later on is that statement where like women aren't allowed out of the mines i'm like that's interesting to hear um i don't know i just thought i I thought maybe that was another like hint but it wasn't (laughs) yeah it was also like a a quick note here like we obviously see that opening scene where like there's this woman's performing a striptease in the mine everybody's very clearly trying to get laid in the mine i can't think of a least like sexually arousing place than like than 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 the the entire third act of this movie like (laughs) There's, it's like dirty mining equipment any, everywhere. Like I understand it's the '80s; it's a different time back then. Or like, but it's just like I can't think yeah. of of a least like sexually appealing place than I think you know, twenty feet down in a mine shaft, <laughs> a couple hundred feet down in a mine yeah. shaft. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's definitely like a product of just the of the community, like yeah. being so built around <laughs> that mine. Like, you can get drunk and have sex out, like, by the bluffs. You can get drunk and have sex down in the mines. And I guess that's really your two options for being adventurous um, as, as a young person uh, in, in that town. Which, you know, one of, you know, it, I, don't, I don't know how you, you, you got to keep the mask on. You yeah. know, like you're if you're been, you're not supposed to be doing heavy breathing down there. Yeah, <laughs> like I just I don't get why you would why anyone would want to do that. And like none of the girls, like it's just like it is obvious, obvious right? Because they're all at the party, and it's just like, oh, let's go down to the mines. It's like all these all these like couples are are going down there, and it's just like, did none of the women none of the women were like, I know what you want to do down there, and I don't want to do that because it's nasty down yeah. there. Like <laughs> that's not brought up. There, everyone's everyone's just game. For yeah, it. bringing it back to the Scooby Doo of all, you know, nobody's really putting the, the Daphne and the Fred together here of like <laughs> why we're going yeah. down to the like why I didn't want to go down to the mine shaft. But um, I also really liked another like fixture in the town is that is the bar that they all go to. Yes, um, and so in classic. Uh, slasher formula fashion because the ta- like these these youngsters are not traveling anywhere like usually you have you have your doomsayer that is like on the outskirts of a town or like on a path somewhere that basically warns the warns the cast that you know they're they're doomed um right <laughs> and so you have the you have the barman 
because that's where they're constantly coming in and out of um, after work, and that's where after everyone hangs out. And so they're all they're all bullshitting around, and uh, the barman like snaps at them and tells tells the story of of Harry Warden, um, which again kind of feeds back into my major gripe with the film, which I'm gonna get I will get into in a minute, because um, obviously Axel's father is involved in that story. And it seems like that's something that everyone should know because no one takes it seriously. And everyone yeah. is just like pretending like, like this is one of the girls say it's like a fairy tale or some shit like that. Yeah. It's such a tale. weird choice of words. <laughs> it's like someone you know, like his father was killed by that guy. Yeah. Like, like... do you, <laughs> this is not something that's brought up anyway. Um, I love the end. I love the ending duel between Axel and and TJ. They have like this awesome like shovel pick duel down in the tunnels. Um it was pretty intimidating. Um and I also really like at, at that point as well, um the camera just shows the killer like well starting when the killer's just straight up down in the tunnels in the first place when he's smashing the lights we start to see him um, just like out and about because now like the film, the film's like moving towards that, that reveal, that climax. And so they don't care about showing like the, the killer full, fully suited up anymore. Cause they're all down in the mines and everyone, it could be anyone, you know? Right. Um, so I really, I really like that. Yeah. The, I, uh, I, I, I like a lot of the little, uh, you know, details like that. Again, like I, I just like the environment set pieces in this movie are, are really nice. Like you mentioned the bar. Um I, I think of the uh like the laundromat looked really nice. Like just like all these yeah. pieces, like 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 everything looks everything looks really, you know, well made. Again, like, you know, kind of speaking to this movie you might get you know, obviously it, it's it's very much a cult classic, but you know, everything looks really polished for like again, for an early eighties slasher film. Yeah, I honestly, um, I really like the laundromat because it reminds me, it's just, it just reminds me of when I was younger. I felt like, or I feel like, you know, that kind of decoration in a small town for like one specific event, it doesn't really happen anymore like that. Um, things feel very sterile. Um, right. <laughs> You know, you might throw up some stuff like some posters or whatever on the wall, or maybe you even put out some decorations. Maybe it's because I'm like older and jaded yeah. <laughs> and, and bitter. And I just like don't feel the magic for like those those decorations anymore. But a lot of that stuff seemed to be like handmade and like the kind of the, the way like the fluorescent, the fluorescent light like works in a lot of those rooms and kind of like the nice kind of the wood the wood wooden floors. Um, I don't know. It, the whole film it has like this very warm quality to it. It reminds me of that. Honestly, it reminds me of the house, um, in in Black Christmas. Yeah, um, I agree. The other another Canadian classic that we've covered here on the podcast. <laughs> like it has, I don't know. It has like this this very cozy feeling. Like it, it lures you into feeling safe. Um, but unfortunately, none of these places are safe. 
Have we have we found our niche, Chris? Just like you know, uh, niche Canadian slasher films from the eighties and nineties. I would I would love to cover like as many Canadian horror films as I possibly can on this podcast. I was thinking about actually doing. Um, oh my god, it's the Canadian version of Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Um, oh, it's, it's, I think it's a it's. Um, I'm trying to. I literally saw it last year. Um, let me see. It is. Uh, yeah, because I saw in Precinct 13 was like it was like really really popped off, and then the Canadian one is. It is Jesus Mother. Um. Maybe I'm just never going to find out. Uh, Siege. It's just called Siege. Thank God. I knew it had like, it had another similar name. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's it's just called Siege. That movie was really good. I know me stumbling trying to find the name for like a whole whole two minutes was was troubling there. But it was a very good movie. I'd love to cover that on the podcast someday. Um, (laughs) So I'm just, it's very good. But anyway. Um, yeah, Canadian slashers, Canadian horror films in general are like, they're not, certainly, certainly a lot of them are not underrated, but a lot of them are because so many of them were just like tax (laughs) shelter, uh, flicks, uh, or, you know, whatever there is, there was a lot made and not all of them were good. Um, but I would like (laughs) to watch a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I... Because I, I want to move, I'm gonna. I want to move into talking about my my gripe with the film. So if, if there's anything else positive you want to touch on, I would speak now. Forever hold your peace. No, by all means, get on that soapbox. <laughs> okay. So the reveal that the killer is Axel feels so unearned <laughs> in this movie. It makes the fact the fact that there is really nothing. There's no indicator in the film. I I tried paying attention and to to note and like Axel is and Axel is set up. He is Sarah's new boyfriend and he seems he's very protective of her. That's his whole thing. He's an asshole, but really he's he's an understandable asshole because some you know he fell in love with this girl and then the dude that used to date her comes back and like wants him to fuck off. Um, and like they used to, used to be really good friends. Um, they play like, you know, they, they have that scene where they're playing the harmonica together. And like, I, I really did sympathize with Axel. And then there is that, the, the unmasking in TJ is like, or maybe with Sarah is like, why? And Axel doesn't explain. We just, as the, as the audience, we get like that the flashback to him under his bed or his father's bed when he's a child watching Harry Warden kill him. Um, and like I said before, that is not something out of all the, t- all the, all the Harry Warden talk in the film that is never brought up that Axel one that his father was even killed by Harry Warden, that his father is one of the supervisors. It's just not something that's brought up. And I feel like there were, op- there were perfect opportunities for that to be brought into conversation um, and it wasn't. Also, they do a lot of work with making it seem like it's going to be Harry Warden, 
to the point where it's, I'm like, oh, it's a red herring. And then I was like, since there was no other evidence, I'm like, is it a red herring? And then it, and then it was in the end because we find, because we find out right when it's too late that Harry Warden's been dead for five years. Um, so like, again, it's like, it doesn't really line up like tension wise there. Um, I feel like there isn't like a rewarding build where like you reveal like, oh no, he's been dead for five years. And then like, yeah. you're really <laughs> wondering who it is. Like at this point, you've kind of already figured it out or you should have already figured it out. Um, but he, uh, so Harry, so Harry Warden is also, he was in, he was sent away to an asylum. I don't know why the town, even in the first place, would not have a dance for 20 years if he immediately he committed these murders and then was thrown into an asylum for the rest of his life. Like, who fucking cares? Like, the dude's locked up. Are you so untrust, untrusting of, like, the your institutions that if you have a dance, he's, gonna, he's going to break out and go and kill people again? Um... So that that's also something that just didn't really line up um, with with me personally. Um, and then I'm gonna look at my actual document for this. Um, I said yeah. So I said I like the, I like instead of Axel explaining, we just get the flashback. Probably the weakest element of the film. I mean, the fact that Axel's dad was killed on Valentine's Day because of Harry Warden just isn't touched on once. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's my that's my whole piece that I wrote there. Which is another thing, like, his father was killed on Valentine's Day. It has been, you know, how, 20 years since that time. Like, it is, I don't know, there's just, there's just gaps here. And then, obviously, when Axel loses his arm as well, and, like, stumbles away into the darkness, and, like, it makes it sound like he's gonna live, but the dude, like, is, like, basically bleeding out and is, like, delirious. Um, and it just, it just kind of ends there. And it's like, I would have really preferred for them to, you know, one for him to be dead. And then for TJ and Sarah to make it up back up to the surface and kind of like have a, it's all over. Thank God we're alive. I love you reunion. And we don't get that either. So like, it's this kind of, it's this forced kind of un, unforeseen twist and reveal um, in a rather, like, it doesn't stick the landing in, in the end. We spend so much time with these characters, because there's really not that many kills in the movie until the third act. Um, a lot of the time is spent with these characters, understanding who they are, and part of that should have been laying down, planting the seeds that would lead to that aha moment when the killer is eventually revealed. We just don't get that. Like they went, they even went with like the cheesy route of having Axel be off camera and then makes it, and then it looks like he had drowned and the, the characters are fooled, but like, it's not, I've seen a million of these movies. It doesn't fucking, it didn't go by me for a second. That was that was me being like, "Oh, you're gonna be fucking kidding me! They're gonna make it. They're gonna make the killer Axel." Um, but yeah, that is that's really my only issue with the film. And like I said, it, in no way does this like ruin it for me. It's just like something that really irked me because this could have been perfect, but instead it's it's just off. 
Yeah, I, I totally understand your gripe because I kind of feel the same way. Like, again, one of the the, the fun for me in watching horror is that you know, like you mentioned, like you're a, you know what the you know you kind of know what the twist is. You know what's going to happen. You can you can go back and you know kind of catch the set pieces, you know, as they're happening throughout the movie. And, you know, you just get a completely different viewing experience, viewing it from, you know, from, from the top down. And again, I kind of felt the same way. Like I was very blindsided by the actual reveal. Granted, I'm again, I, as I stated previously, I'm terrible at this, but also it's like, you know, you can kind of piece things together, like kind of, you know, put enough of the stuff together. And again, this movie came out however long ago, it's not like they're, they're trying to, you know, purposely, you know, pull the wool over my eyes. But I feel like I just spent maybe a little bit more time in the beginning, like, you know, setting up the exposition or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Like, it definitely feels like the reveal falls like a little bit flat. Uh, but again, by no means does it take away from, you know, from the, from the fun of the movie for me either. So. Sweet. Yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Like there was so much room in the beginning of the movie to like actually do some like work with this but it was just like the thing is it, it, it's good the way they have it in the opening with like the mayor and the police chief being like oh no not again and like they're trying to keep it under wraps and everything and so it's not like there's a lot of like just a repetition of the same story over and over again um and i think that there was definitely room for building more there but you know it is what it is um but I am I am good if you want to go into some closing thoughts and slapping our ratings on this bad boy. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm good. You want do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, there's a lot of slashers being made um, from 1980, obviously onwards, um, and this is maybe the best from 1981. Um, it's certainly, honestly, if it was made in 1980, I would say it might honestly be the best slasher of 1980. Uh, and I say that with no, like, no reservations. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of fantastic slashers made in those, those early years. But, um, My Bloody Valentine, the 1981 version just has this, it has this warmth and this unexpected depth to it. Um, where you feel like you are really connected to the characters and there is this there is this mystery about uh, about the killer that it keeps you guessing it keeps you worried because he kind of pops up in unexpected places um, and it is even though it doesn't really stick the landing in the end um, I think it does it has some great kills some some pretty some solid chuckles um and i think it's one of and one of the most iconic i think closing lines in a horror movie i said it didn't stick the landing but even the you know sarah will you be my bloody valentine uh that's the last fucking line of the movie like i think that's uh i think that's great um but yeah i am i'm gonna give my bloody valentine three and a half howls Yep, I I feel a lot of the same way as as you feel. I thought this movie had, you know, it had character. It had some really, you know, some really great character stuff. Um, obviously the the action is is what you arrive for. It's menacing. It's gross. It really makes you kind of 
you know, watch out of what, you know, with one eye closed. Um, but also, you know, it has that levity with, you know, some of the, some of the humor, obviously the love triangle is very interesting. And again, that, that final line delivery is, is so good. And even where the movie for me, you know, again, might fall a little bit flat. Uh, I still had a, a rousing good time with this and I will also be giving, uh, the movie, uh, three and a half howls. Sweet. Glad. I, it's always, it's always, it's always good when like, I know one, I know the movie's going to be good. And so I'm basically, usually there's been few like really popular horror flicks that I've watched and have been like, no, it wasn't good. Uh, there certainly are, there certainly are some out there and maybe one day I'll cover, uh, another one of those movies. Um, but yeah, always good, always good when everyone, everyone's just in agreement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, Kuba, so much for coming back onto the show. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, anytime, man. I, I I always love showing up, uh, you know, for whatever you need me. So I, I, I love this. <laughs> uh, and I thank you all for listening. Uh, it has been like over two months since the last episode. Uh, life do be going crazy. Um, Big mood. So, <laughs> yeah, just I cannot, will not be committing to you know, any kind of regular upload schedule. But when I, when I can get to, when I can get a movie, I can get, I can get a, uh, a guest. Uh, I will be, be dropping one here, here or there. Thank you all for listening. As always, I appreciate it. And I will get you in the next one. Have a good night. Bye guys.